After twenty minutes walking along the highway under a three o'clock sun, I came at last to the turning. I veered right and began to climb the slope. At intervals, the trees along the path provided a little coolness. Water ran down a small brook through the undergrowth. The sand squeaked under my tread. Sun was everywhere. In the air there was a scent of green, hot growth, thirsty. Not a tree, not a leaf stirred. A few clouds rested heavily, anchored in a blue, waveless gulf. A bird sang. I hesitated. How much nicer it would be to stretch out under this elm. The sound of water is worth more than all the poet's words. I walked on for another ten minutes. When I got to the farm, some fair-haired children were playing around a birch tree. I asked for the master. Without interrupting their game, they replied, He's up there in the cabin. And they pointed to the very summit of the hill. I set off again. Now I was walking through deep undergrowth that came up to my knee. When I reached the top, I could see the whole little valley, the blue mountains, the stream, the luminous green flatland, and, at the very bottom, the forest. The wind began to blow. Everything swayed almost cheerfully. All the leaves sang. I went toward the cabin. It was a little wooden shack, old, the paint flaked, grayed by the years. The windows were curtainless. I made a way through the underbrush and looked in. Inside, sitting in an easy chair, was an old man. Resting beside him was a woolly dog. When he saw me, the man stood up and beckoned me to come around the other side. I did so and found him waiting for me at the door of his cabin. The dog jumped up to greet me. We crossed a little passage and went into a small room. Unpolished floor, two chairs, a blue easy chair, another reddish one, a desk with a few books on it, a little table with papers and letters. On the walls, three or four engravings, nothing remarkable. We sat down. Sure is hot. You want a beer? Yes, I believe I do. I've walked half an hour and I'm worn out. We drank the beer slowly. While I sipped mine, I took him in. With his white shirt open, is there anything cleaner than a clean white shirt? His eyes blue, innocent, ironic, his philosopher's head and his farmer's hands. He looked like an ancient sage, the kind who prefers to observe the world from his retreat. But there was nothing ascetic about his look, rather a manly sobriety. There he was in his cabin, removed from the world, not to renounce it, but to see it better. The three crows hadn't brought him the bread he ate. He'd bought it himself in the village store. It's really a beautiful place. It almost seems real. This landscape is very different from ours in Mexico. It's made for men to look at. The distances are made for our legs, too. My daughters told me the landscape of your country is very dramatic. Nature is hostile down there. What's more, we're few and weak. Man is consumed by the landscape, and there's always the danger you might turn into a cactus. They tell me that men sit still for hours there just doing nothing. Afternoons you see them, completely still, by the roadsides or at the entrances to towns. Is that how they do their thinking? It's a country that's going to turn to stone one day. The trees and the plants all tend to stone, just as the men do. 
and the animals too, dogs, coyotes, snakes. There are little baked clay birds, and it's very strange to see them fly and hear them sing, because you never get used to the idea they're real birds. When I was fifteen, I wrote a poem, my first poem, and you know what it was about? La Noche Triste. I was reading Prescott then, and maybe reading him set me thinking about your country. Have you read Prescott? That was one of my grandfather's favorite books, so I read him when I was a boy. I'd like to read him again. I like reading books, too. I don't trust folk who don't reread, and those who read a lot of books. It seems crazy to me, this modern madness, and it'll only increase the number of pedants. You've got to read a few books well and frequently.